Hey friends, Rachel here. Hey, we hope you are enjoying the She Reads Truth podcast as much as we are. I want to remind you to give us a five-star rating if you haven't already and leave a review if you can. That kind of stuff means the world to us and it helps more she's find our podcast from all around the world. Y'all, we are so grateful that you are a part of the She Reads Truth community. Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Amanda Bible-Williams. And I'm your other host, Rachel Myers. And y'all, we are on the back half of Lent. We just wrapped Joshua last week with Jada Edwards, and we are now beginning three weeks in the book of Mark. We are walking our way toward Holy Week, toward the crucifixion, toward the resurrection. We're so excited to be joined today by our friend, Lauren Chandler. Lauren is a pastor's wife, mother of three. She is an author, a Bible study writer. She has a new Bible study that released just in February on the book of Numbers with Lifeway. And she is also a songwriter and worship leader. Y'all, her voice is beautiful. If you haven't heard Lauren Chandler sing, go find a way to do that right now. Actually, no, stick around with us because this episode is fantastic. Lauren taught us so much. And this conversation with her was just exactly what I was looking for. So let's get right to it. So we're coming out of Joshua and Lauren, in some ways you're coming out of the book of Numbers. And you told us before we hit record that you're chronologically reading through the Bible right now and you're still very much in the Old Testament. Um, I am. And so here we are. deep in it. It it felt so good because I did a fresh read of of this coming week of Mark last night, and it feels really good to be in a gospel right now. And it's not just a gospel. It's like Mark is like a fire hose. He's like, we're going to get all this in. It's going to be really quick because he just goes from one thing to another to another. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he doesn't mince words. So I'm... I just finished Isaiah, which I love. It's beautiful. There's some parts that I'm like, yes, this is so rich with like imagery. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I'm like, can you just tell me what's going on? Like, yeah. I, I'm so, I'm, I kind of, I need a break from the imagery. And I love imagery. Mm-hmm. Give me some action. And Mark just like delivered. Can you I just like, oh. speak plainly? What's what's happening? Yes. yes. What do you mean? Exactly. Yes. Lots yeah. of action. He gets to lots it. Lots of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. You know, lots of gospel. I Yeah, that's, that's right. It's good. And I'm trying to think, what would we want to tell our listeners just to like square up? Like, here's here's what to expect in the book of Mark. Everything mm-hmm. that you guys just said. Super fast paced. Mm-hmm. Super fast paced. Like he tells a story like Jesus in the being tempted in the wilderness in two verses. Yeah. Like he does a lot of that, a lot of just like, and then this happened and then we move on. (laughs) And this book is written not to the the Jewish population. So this is written Mm -hmm. where he does a lot of explaining of things, like explaining traditions. Um, He translates, I mean, this is like the nerdy stuff, but like he'll, not use the Aramaic, he'll use the Greek. Um, yes. and I read that. I love that. Isn't that, that great? Was, I'm such a nerd. I was like, oh, I had no idea. Yeah. That's so cool. And yeah. Um, it's the, as best we can tell, first gospel that was written. And that I think, I believe Matthew and John are, were written. Uh, kind Luke. Of, oh, Matthew sorry, and Matthew Luke. and Luke were written mm-hmm. like, but Mark was sort of, sort of the baseline source material for some of that. Yeah. yeah. They, they used him as a source. It's so, it doesn't the the gospel itself doesn't say that it's written by Mark. Right. So technically it's anonymous, but most scholars agree that it is Mark, also called John Mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so a couple of things that I either didn't know or had forgotten. It's toss up. Um, son of a widow named Mary, in whose house this is from the introduction in the study book. In yeah. whose house the church in Jerusalem sometimes gathered. So his mom 
hosted a, a church. Yeah. All, I was about to say a house church. All churches were well, house, house churches, churches at that time. <laughs> yeah. um, and then this is the nugget that I was like, wait, what? Possibly, now we don't know for sure, but possibly where Jesus ate the Last Supper with his disciples. Isn't that? That's so cool. So like he was around and he saw, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's just so, it's, it's amazing. So that's who's speaking to us. And because I think he's primarily writing for the Roman Gentiles, it's what you just said, Lauren, like he doesn't mince words and he focuses squarely on Jesus Christ as the son of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he also uses a lot of that. I mean, like immediately is like the the, yes. the favorite word of the book. And <laughs> I, remember, I think Annie Downs told us that she had read that part of that was just like if his audience was were the Romans, they were used to a, a different, like a faster paced storytelling and they, he wanted oh, it to be engaging. Um, and so that's yeah. possibly why it was as engaging as it was. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of like, and then this. And as soon as that happened, this happened. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean, it was, he is very fast-paced. I mean, I've circled every time I saw immediately. Me too. Or as soon as, mm-hmm. or anything like that. And I was like, it's almost made me think of maybe a middle school girl who says like all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if y'all were one. But I was like, okay, that's his favorite word is immediately. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's great. So I didn't know that. So Thanks, Annie. Yeah, thank you, Annie Downs, Annie F. Downs. <laughs> um, so let's start. Let's start talking about, I mean, we pick up, um, I love that Mark or whoever our author is starts with like, hey, like, this is what Isaiah prophesied. Um, he yeah. prophesied that John the Baptist would come. And I love, I actually took some time last night and kind of read the John the Baptist account across all the Gospels, because it was really, I think I got like down this rabbit trail because I got excited by seeing Jesus' first words in the book of Mark, where he says, like, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe. And I was like, what yeah. is what are his first words in the other Gospels? And oh, then, that's yeah, it was interesting. Oh, good. It was, I, I mean, like, here, I'll just tell you what they were. Um, in both Matthew and in Luke, his first words were, it is written. Oh. Because he's talking okay. to the devil in the wilderness, which I feel like that's worth paying attention to. Yeah, that's that he's, interesting. That he's yes. saying, like, this is what I know from the Old Testament. Like, isn't that's that right. great? And then in yeah. John, his first words after his baptism, he says, what are you seeking? And mm-hmm. and they're saying, Rabbi, where are you going? He's, he's asking, like, he has, the people who are talking to him, he says, what are you seeking? And they say, mm-hmm. Rabbi, where are you going? And he says, come and see, I will show you. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the his yeah. first conversation is an invitational yeah. one. Anyway, that was my little rabbit trail last night. I just got excited. And then even just the John the Baptist stuff, mm-hmm. I mean... He's just a favorite for me. Should we? Do you want to read some of it? I think we should. Um, Lauren, would you read for us from Mark yeah. one, maybe four through eleven? Let's we'll start there. Absolutely, great. John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, One who is more powerful than I am is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. 
As soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, thanks be to God. Praise be to God. Yeah. It's great that in Mark chapter one, we have Mark saying Jesus is the son of God. And then in, in verse 11, we have God saying that Jesus is the Son this of is God. The Son of God. That's right. An immediate yes. affirmation of his divinity yes. and like inauguration of his ministry. Yeah. You know, yeah. the spirit descends, yeah. this is my son. And then that's when, you know, we turn the page in our study book. And then we have here's that two verse, <laughs> two verse summary of the wilderness right. temptation. Immediately, there's our word. The spirit drove him into the wilderness, which we could probably talk about for an hour, but I'm going to keep going. Yeah. The spirit drove him into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and the angels were serving him. So that 40 days mm-hmm. is where we get our kind of framework mm-hmm. for yeah. Lent and fasting for Lent. And then verse 14. So here come here come the those first words that you, yeah. that you mentioned, Rachel. Verse 14, after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent mm. and believe the good news. Mm. So beautiful. So beautiful. It's interesting. I, I've given thought over the years to those two words that repent and believe. Mm-hmm. And I think something occurred to me um, sort of freshly last night because we know in the book of Mark, there's a lot of unclean spirits, like a lot of demonic activity. Yeah. In fact, we're about to kind of get right to that. And so many times, I think at least three times in this book, the demons say, you are the son of God. Like they dec- yeah. they believe he is mm-hmm. the son of they God. They know who he is. Yeah. They know. And and I was even looking at the extra that we have in the study book that like shows all of the different people who declare that Jesus is the son of God, including the yeah. unclean spirits. And the difference is not only is he your God, but is he your Lord? And I right. and I think that it's beautiful to see that word repent right there, that that matters, yes. that it's not just believe the good news, believe. but it's That's repent right. and believe, like know yeah. that I need you. Yeah. And I think that is what struck me. And I don't want to get too far ahead is the difference between the people that believed and the people that were skeptical, yeah. you know? Um, so a lot of the people that were skeptical knew a lot about God, but they could they didn't recognize him when he came. And That's because right. they they didn't know that they needed him, yeah. you know, that there wasn't an understanding of what repentance was, but those that would respond to him and believe were intimately aware of their brokenness. And a lot of times it was because of an unclean spirit or, you know, a malady or just brokenness physically. Anyway, I just, yeah. that that struck me that to repent, we have to realize that like you said, Rachel, that we are broken, that something's not right in us. That's right. That something needs to change. And then we see, oh my gosh, here's here is someone that can do something about it. And mm-hmm. we believe. Anyway, I just see that all over our reading this week yeah. um, of seeing him, knowing our need, and then acting upon it, you know, in faith. So. Anyway, uh, it's just you're it's exactly encouraging. right. That's what we see. Like in in this week, it is person after person after person coming to Jesus with what they perceive yeah. as their need, 
Like even if it's yeah. just that what they perceive as their need. And then Jesus sort of looks deeper and says, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, we're going to get to talk about the man that was lowered through the roof, you know, and he's, and Jesus yeah. looks at this man who clearly needs to be physically healed and says, yeah. your sins are forgiven. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's yeah. interesting what we think our needs are yeah. um, mm-hmm. versus what our need truly is. That's right. Well, and even, you know, we'll see as we read through the book that the disciples didn't understand yeah, right. who he was at first and his family didn't understand. I mean, it's pretty audacious. Like he yeah. hears this, this man who has been part of the community, like he's not, he didn't just arrive as a adult man. Didn't just materialize. He was a child yeah. <laughs> who grew sure. up, yeah, in yeah. this community. And then he begins to walk in this ministry after the baptism moment that we just talked about. Yeah. Um, but there's another interaction in chapter one that I think mm-hmm. demonstrates this dynamic that we're talking about. So we're just going to see it over and over again. But in verse 21, they, which is these are the the disciples that he has called up to this point, which I think. Simon, Andrew, James, and John, they went into Capernaum, and right away he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and began to teach. So here he goes, like straight away going into the the synagogue to teach, which is an audacious thing to do if you are not a rabbi. (laughs) And, you know, so they were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them as one who had authority, not like the Mm -hmm. scribes. Mm -hmm. Just then a man with an unclean spirit was in the synagogue. He cried out, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? And listen to this. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And then Jesus rebuked him. And I said, see those exclamation points in your margin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And and so and it's almost like Jesus is like, hush, like it's not it's not time to deal. It's, yeah. it's, it's not time to say that yet, because here we are. Yeah. But in verse 27, they were all amazed. And they began yes. to ask each other, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands the unclean spirits. So, I mean, in their defense, it's pretty crazy what Jesus, yeah. this guy named Jesus, You're is right. doing. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I think that like maybe I hadn't thought on that for in in a while. That, yeah, like that he was among them even before his baptism. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Another thing I noticed reading through this was how many times he uh, Mark uses amazed and astonished. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then authority. There's a lot of yeah. repetition there, and I thought, I thought, man, if that's not kind of where we are with a Christian celebrity or any kind of yeah. uh, show, you know, that we can be amazed and astonished and even recognize authority, but not enter into that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, so I, I thought, you know, here these people were, they're like, oh, wow, Jesus is gathering all these crowds at some point. And because they're amazed and astonished by what he's doing, and they're like, okay, well, I can recognize some authority there. But then there's a disconnect for a lot of them where they keep it outside of them and they don't enter into believing his message, right, you know, yeah. and believing in him. Mm-hmm. They're just astonished and amazed. Anyway, I, I just, I don't want to just um, be astonished and amazed by what I see you doing in, you know, other people's lives or even in scripture. I, I, don't want it to stop there. I want it to change me. Yeah, I want right. I, I want to see the authority that you have and and I want that to have bearing in my life. I don't want to miss out. Yeah. And I think a lot of them, they were astonished and amazed, but 
they missed out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm astonished and amazed by, you know, watching a magic trick. Cool. You yeah. Know? <laughs> exactly. We had to, we had a dinner with the kids last Christmas and and a guy came to our table and he was like, I can do magic tricks. And we were like, mm, okay. <laughs> and it ended up just being like, we still talk about it in our family. Like, we just don't yeah. know how where he pulled that line from. Like, we have no idea. <laughs> how did he do that? How did he do that? And so, but that doesn't mean that man was an authority in my life or that he was, right. you know, but like what we have here is not a series of party tricks what we have here and and jesus was so careful like this generation demanded a sign and jesus was like that's not no like i'm coming to heal these people not because i want you to see this but because i care about them because i have compassion on them that's right and to declare the kingdom that the kingdom has come near it's still still in chapter one we have where he's he's talking to his disciples again. He's he's he has stepped away for a moment of solitude because you know mm-hmm. as we're going to continue to see he he can't go anywhere. Right, like we can't take Jesus anywhere yeah. because people just come and <laughs> mob him and will do anything to get to him. And so he's he's stepped away for a moment of solitude. And then in verse thirty eight, then he said to them, his disciples, "Let's go to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come." Yeah. Yes. So he has a job to he do. He has a job to do. Yeah. Okay, can That's we right. go back to 32 for a minute? Uh, verse of 32. course we can. I, I don't know how we're going to get through these I Mark know. podcast episodes because I want There's to. There's so much. Well, and especially like with Mark, like, I mean, the, just like every, he covered the temptation of Jesus in two verses. Like every yeah. verse is a story and mm-hmm. you want to yes. talk about it. But I want to go back to 32. And part of yeah. why I want to go back is because you know, a lot of you listening um, and a lot of she's, we've just read the book of Joshua and we've had these conversations about how in the book of Joshua, this is God leading his people into conquering and inheriting the physical promised land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we've talked also about what we are now going to expect to see in Mark. And so this is us seeing this, where now, while these people have been living now in the promised land, these are the descendants of those people who knocked down Jericho with their voices yeah. and their trumpets. I mean, God did that, but they participated sure. in it. Sure. Um, <laughs> but these, so these are those descendants, but what's still happening in my, my study Bible said, I liked the sentence, the extent of demon possession in Galilee's Jewish population was startling. Um, mm. And so what's happening is now that the promised land has been physically inherited and conquered, yeah. Jesus is coming. And one of the things that he's coming to do is to conquer the promised land at a spiritual level. That's right. Yeah. And so we, right. we see in you know verse 32, it says, when evening came, after the sun had set, I love this is hilarious to me. After the sun had set, they brought him all those who were sick and demon possessed. It was the, nighttime. The whole town was assembled at the door. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just yeah. trying to go to bed, you guys. Um, and then it says, <laughs> and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and drove out many mm-hmm. demons. And then it says, and he would not permit the demons mm-hmm. to speak because they knew him. Mm. And and that again is that like that believe like the de- the demons yeah. believed who he was, yeah. but what. We're going to see again and again and again in this book where he, where the demons acknowledge who he is, mm-hmm. and even the disciples at times can't do what Jesus can do. Of course, you know, even when he says like you're going to be able to have the power to do this, and Jesus is just going to cast yeah. out the unclean spirits and this beginning of conquering the spiritual realm of the promised land. Of course, it's ultimately conquered in the resurrection and defeat of death. Yeah. Anyway, I want our listeners to get that tie, that connection yeah, to that's Joshua. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
I'm so genuinely going to struggle to get through this well, week because I, mean, I want to talk here about we go. <laughs> even if we fast <laughs> forward. Yeah, we fast forward and go to um, our second day's reading. So we were roughly doing like a chapter or so. Um, plus or minus a day. And so we have yeah. Mark chapter two, and this is the story of the men who, you know, lower their friend through the roof to yeah. be healed by Jesus because there were so many people gathered that they couldn't get to him. And again, you know, what happens when you read scripture over and over again, you notice things that you didn't notice before. Yeah. And listen, to, listen to this description. This is chapter two, verse three. They came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after digging through it, they yeah. lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Like, this was not like a quiet, oh, something's happening while Jesus is <laughs> is speaking and healing and like, oh, where do these guys come from? Like, they are right. like demoing Digging. the roof <laughs> yes. to get their friend in. But then what does Jesus do? What does he, does he heal mm-hmm. him? Well, yes, but what does he say? Son, your sins are forgiven. Son, your sin. Yeah. Seeing their faith, yeah. Jesus told yeah. the paralytic. So he sees the friend's faith. Yeah. Then he yeah. turns to the paralytic and says, son, your sins are mm-hmm. forgiven. I wonder, you know, for him, I know then it was believed that the reason he was ill and paralyzed was because of his sin. Yes. You know, yeah. that mm-hmm. he deserved it, that he must have done something what did you do wrong? That, yeah. that made God mad and he punished him. Yeah. And so who knows? And I he probably knew that, yeah, I've sinned. There's, there's sin in my life. There are things that I have done that probably haunted him, you know? And I think about what what did he cry out to God on his mat at night, you know, or kind of what had he been haunted by that what he really, maybe he longed to hear uh, God say, you know, your sins are forgiven. That oh, that, God, yeah. maybe, who knows, maybe that was his prayer on his mat, like, would you ever forgive me, God? Would you ever heal me? Would you ever, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. speculation, of course, but just... Kind of, if if I think about someone that's, you know, ill or I have a friend that just um, has gone through some surgery and just the pain that that's caused and, and she had hoped that the Lord would just heal her right out and he, he didn't and it's been a journey and... Um, but where she has wrestled with the Lord and, and yeah. how... And and the Lord's spoken to her through His Word and through the Holy Spirit and through people. But just to imagine hearing Jesus like look straight at you and say what your heart was longing to hear, yeah. you know, that had to be an amazing moment. Anyway, just that Jesus can see straight to what we need, yeah. like you said, Rachel. Um, even better than we we might know, but who knows if maybe that's what his heart was longing to hear and people that were looking just thought, well, surely he just wants to be physically healed right. when maybe that man was longing Ooh. to be spiritually healed. Yeah. Oh, that's I good. think that's yeah. so perceptive because if you have any experience, you know, personally or by association with chronic illness or chronic pain, yeah. it goes so much deeper than the physical. Mm-hmm. That's right. And and I think, you know, and and just this is such a reminder that Jesus knew this man. 
Yeah. You know, he's God. This wasn't his first meeting. <laughs> Jesus yeah. knew this man right. intimately That's because right. he is God. He created right. this man. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think, and it also reminds me, Lauren, of just, we, we've spoken about suffering, you know, fairly frequently on this podcast and how there is some sort of mysterious, like spiritual, um, like richness that, that happens in suffering when you know Jesus and in a way that, that you fellowship with Jesus and his sufferings, you know, scripture talks about that. And so, um, it really does. It reminds me of that, that, that yes, 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 like we see the physical, but there's there's also so much underneath that. I feel like there are a lot of um, of our friends listening who feel really seen and encouraged by that. I'm so glad you brought it up. Hey friends, Amanda here. Building community and bringing life. That's what our friends at Apartment Life are doing these days. They partner with local apartment communities and move into the neighborhood to tangibly love people the way Jesus does. They're looking for coordinators to join their program right now. Do you think this might be for you? If you love people, have a heart for being with neighbors when life gets hard or exciting, and love planning a good party, this life-giving program is for you. Apartment Life will equip you and walk alongside you every step of the way, even down to providing a reduced rent apartment if you opt to live on-site in one of their communities. They also have an off-site version of the program that looks similar. It can truly be a life-changing experience for neighbors and coordinators alike. And just for you, our She Reads Truth listeners, they're giving you 10% off in their Apartment Life swag shop. Head over to apartmentlife.org slash shereadstruth to apply and to receive your discount. Be sure to ask for more information about how you can be a part of this unique ministry. That's apartmentlife.org slash she reads truth. Okay, back to the show. I noticed something else in this story. I think, again, coming out of Joshua, Mm -hmm. and I just, and I think I'm not alone in this, I just have such a tender spot in my heart right now for the people of Israel. Just like reading their story in Joshua and what it looked like for them to obey, what it looked like for them to disobey, and just Mm. watching their relationship with God develop and and unfold. So I I just feel tender toward the people of Israel. And so when I read Mm -hmm. Mark 2, I see like verse 2 where it says, so many people gathered together that there was no room, not even in the doorway as he was speaking the word to them. And obviously this is the setup for the man being lowered into the roof, but uh-huh. I see that. And then and then you go down to six and it says, but some of the scribes were sitting mm-hmm. there questioning in their hearts. So when we say that the room was packed, it was packed with, you know, pedestrians, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. but like also like the scribes. Yeah. And it That's says right. that he was, Jesus was speaking the word to them. And so like, yeah. and then it says, so the scribes are questioning in their hearts, why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And so I'm looking at these these descendants of the people of Israel who have had this complicated and long history mm. with God. Long And history. they've been waiting yeah. for this Messiah, and they're packed into this room, and they're sitting there, and they're going like, we're the experts on the law. We're the experts yeah. on the word. And this man's coming in, and he's speaking the word to us, and like— 
no, 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 no. Like we feel maybe even protective of the word. Yeah. Like he yeah. shouldn't be doing that. Mm-hmm. It's I just I don't actually even have like a, a a way to land that plane in that conversation. But when I yeah. read that coming out of Joshua, I feel tender for them because it's yeah. I think that often we're like those dumb Pharisees, like what jerks. Um, yeah. But I think they're having to work through some stuff and and yeah. and and a lot of i mean we know there's there's so much at play there you know in the mm-hmm. way that they have relied on the law to save them and it'd be difficult for them to rely mm-hmm. on the son of god to save them mm-hmm. yeah it reminds me too we're not going to read this this week but we're going to read it next week and in mark 8 where jesus starts to talk openly with his disciples that the son of man will suffer many things. He will be killed. He will rise after three days. And when Peter says to him, this is in um, chapter eight, which we'll get to next week. But Peter says, took him aside and began to rebuke him because you have Mm. to, you have to know that, that they were probably like, listen, okay, we're, we're beginning to understand that you're, you're the Messiah, but like, that's not how this is going to go. You're not going to be killed. You're here to save us. Yeah. And so just not understanding. And so that feels related in my mind to, you know, just waiting for something for so long. And then you have this picture because you only know what, you know, like we all, we only know what we've been told in the scriptures and just waiting for the Messiah and having like, I I think I know how this is going to go. Right. But yeah. what? But Just I want to recognize guy? him when he comes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and later and in six, which we will read, there's that that wonderful line. This is chapter six, verse three. I know we're just hopping around, but where Jesus is, you know, he's teaching in the synagogue and he's been performing miracles, et cetera. And this is verse three, where they say, Isn't this the carpenter, the son of Mary? Yeah the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon and aren't his sisters here with us? And they were offended by him because there's just, mm. he's, he's Jesus. Like who it's do you like, think you Mary's are? Son. Yeah. Like who, yeah. Who do you think you are? Uh-huh. That's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So interesting. Okay. Where were we girls? <laughs> we're everywhere because Mark is everywhere. Mark it's not is everywhere. He is it's everywhere. This fault. feels right. There's so much. This feels <laughs> right. Lauren, what, um, as you were reading through the, we don't have to go in order and yeah. you know, we do, what do you want to talk about? What are the things that jumped um, out at you this time? I think something that, that stood out to me, I mean, kind of along those lines of, I, I do have I have compassion for the scribes in that they just kind of, they miss it. But it also is, you know, having studied uh, numbers and numbers kind of being kind of the ultimate cautionary tale of what not to do. Like, don't, (laughs) don't rebel. Don't be stiff necked like the, the generation in the wilderness. I mean, it's all over the place. I think the scribes are a cautionary tale of, you know, I had the thought, here they were, experts in the law, so studying their Bibles a lot, right? But totally missing God in the middle of it. You know, yeah. they—I don't know if they—and some of them got it. Some of them, when yeah. Jesus showed up, got it, but not all of them did. And so, there's a danger in in knowing the Word of God, but not having it impact us um, personally or, or have right. any kind of impact on our lives. And then I think we can swing the opposite way and and we can 
we can devalue scripture and being in the word um, so much because we can say, well, look, the scribes were in it and they missed him, you know, and, and, and then be led along by every wind of doctrine, you know, That's right. um, tossed about by the waves. And so there is this tension mm-hmm. of, yes, we need to be in the word, but you better let that word do something in you. You better yeah. do something with it. And the Holy Spirit inspired those words. You better make sure you're finding him in that moment while you're reading those words too. Um, and that you're 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 repenting, yeah. that you're believing the words, yeah. that you are o- obeying the words and that you are just surrendering to that. And so I thought a lot about that where the scribes, you know, they missed him. And I think our overreaction is to say, well, look, the people that knew the word missed him, but that's not right either. Right. So it's the know his word, but don't miss him in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Let it change you. Um, and then I think one one other one other story in here that just always tugs at my heartstrings and um, uh, every time, and, and this is jumping over to, I think, Mark 5, um, was the woman with, oh the, my. with the flow of yes. blood. And and here's why it's tender to me. I know Mark didn't write this for the you know the the Jewish um, readers or listeners, but mainly for uh, for Gentiles. But in that story, you know she she touches the hem of his garment. We know this. Um, he touched his clothing, and I remember. Um, I think Beth Moore, uh, when she did a study, I can't remember which one it was, she talked about how the fringes on the end of the garment that he would have worn. Well, in Numbers, um, God gives instructions on putting the the tassels on the ends of this robe that they were supposed to be wearing um, and to remind them um, on the cor- four corners of this um, of this garment to remind them that they were children of God, that they were set apart, they were His. And so the language that Jesus uses to address that woman is so tender. Yeah. Because here she is, she grabs that tassel that's supposed to remind her that she is um, a daughter of God, Mm -hmm. that she belongs to the family of God. She probably didn't feel like it. She just felt like an outcast. And actually, in Numbers, there there was instruction, anyone who had any kind of flow of blood or anything, secretions, mm-hmm. were not allowed to be in the in the camp. They were they had to go outside the camp. They had to stay there until they were clean. And then when they once they were clean, they could come back and they had to, you know, there was all these like a ritual to do to to be welcomed back into the community and into the camp and yeah. um, near the tabernacle where it was the presence of God. Which means she, so was she was an outcast for 12 years. Yeah. She was an outcast, so she couldn't enter in. And so the fact that, and she probably felt like outcast of the family of God. Yeah. So for Jesus to turn to her and mm-hmm. say, daughter, daughter, your right. faith has saved you. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. I mean, so that's the, so I want to come back to studying the word of God. That story wouldn't have been so powerful if I hadn't studied the book of Numbers. That's right. Personally. Yeah. You know, just all that, the uh, the symbolism and the history of, of what that woman was doing when she touched that fringe of just hoping and knowing 
if anyone can save me, if anyone can heal me, it, it's this man, it's this man. And, and to touch that part that reminds her that she belonged to the family of God and for him to confirm that by calling her daughter. Yeah. I just, I, that's just, it's so I, beautiful. about undid me. <laughs> I love this. And I wanted to be like, no, don't go to the next part uh, because I want to talk about the scribes. But I love that I waited. Yeah. I'm glad that I waited because I love <laughs> the connection that you made. And you really brought it around. And I think that you kind of pinpointed why I feel that tenderness Mm -hmm. towards the scribes. Um, Because, I mean, Amanda and I and so many others, like – we read scripture every actual day of our lives. Like yeah, it is, yeah. it is a part of our jobs um, to yeah. do so. We are in, like, I mean, we don't do the work of scribing, but we, but yeah. I, I can associate with these folks. And not only that, but the Shiri's Truth community, we are, we declare ourselves to be women in the Word of God every day. And yeah. and so I love your charge, Lauren, to. All of us um, who are in the word regularly to not miss Jesus. Like, I love that we're finding him in Joshua, finding him in numbers. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. So I have one of those stories, too, in Mark that just in this in this week's reading that always, like you said, it just always like tugs at my heart. And it's in uh, chapter four. And it's where the it's where the disciples are in the boat in the middle of the storm and Jesus is asleep. Um. I'm actually would love for us to read um, a little bit of this. Let's see. This is chapter four, starting in verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and they took him along since he was in the boat and other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? What a line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Mm. So, I mean, how many times do we? are we like... Jesus, do you not care that we're sinking? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you, we're, we're sinking here. You're in mm. the boat, <laughs> and we're sinking, <laughs> um, and he's sleeping. Like, mm-hmm. And I just yeah. feel like that's something in our hearts that I will often, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if often, but like where I will resent Jesus for sleeping while my boat sinks. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And it's just so, I just, you know, because it's easy to look at them and go like, you guys, come on, it's yeah. Jesus. But their circumstance, I mean, it says that the yeah. boat was actively it's sinking real. and yeah. he was asleep. So A of all, like, yeah. how? How are you asleep? And B, <laughs> like, why aren't you doing something? But then um, specifically the choice of words here, don't, don't you care, care that we're going to die? Yes. And he's like, oh, you have no idea how much I care that you're going to die. That's, That's right. right. You yeah. have That's absolutely, right. not only am That's I right. going to die for you, yeah. um, but your death that you're facing, that you're f- so afraid of facing right now, yeah. isn't the half of it. And yeah. I, yeah. I care so much more about what about your your spirits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that you right. don't you even care that we're going to die must have felt like maybe uh, the ultimate no insult <laughs> of like, I'm just going to need to yeah. like... Deep breath, yeah. swallow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I do care. Yeah. I actually do care. <laughs> yeah. And I, I've always thought it was interesting that he rebuked the wind, but he didn't rebuke them. 
Oh, instead, yeah. instead, he entreated them with questions. I don't know if they answered, but yeah. just, um, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? You know, but he didn't rebuke the disciples. He rebuked the wind and instead asked the, the, asked the disciples questions that hopefully they were asking themselves, like, yeah. why am I afraid? Yeah. Why, why don't I have faith in this man right. that I'm seeing, like, have authority of casting yes. out demons, healing people, feeding people, you know, so. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's the same can be true for us when we are in situations where our figurative boat is sinking yeah. and we feel like Jesus is asleep at the wheel, you know, like that yeah. this— like I know what you can do. Why aren't you? Why aren't you doing it? But you know, going back to reading scripture and not just knowing what it says and knowing scripture, which is valuable, but also mm-hmm. letting it infect our hearts and letting it mm-hmm. affect the way we we look at the world. What if I remember when my boat is sinking? What you know, the theme of this book of Mark, of the Gospel of Mark, that Jesus is the Son of God. All authority, yeah. all power resides with him. And so then, then do I trust him when my boat is sinking, yeah. even if he's asleep? Because he, it's he's there. He's with us. We have this Amos 4.13 verse as part of the day where this reading occurs. And it starts, he is here. The one who forms the mountains, creates the wind, and reveals his thoughts to man. The one who makes the dawn out of darkness and strides on the heights of the earth. The Lord, the God of armies, Mm. is his name. He is here. Mm. And so then... You know, if you, you, what you just said, Lauren, like, remember all that we've seen him do in scripture, but also in our lives. That's right. You know, and then it's like, well, I'll take a sleeping Jesus over and awake anybody else Mm -hmm. any day of the week, (laughs) right? right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there's one more thing I do want to draw out of this. It's along the same lines of, you know, they were honest. I mean, of course they were yeah. honest because they were in the middle of an actual sinking boat where they said, don't you care that we're going to die? I think it's important that when our boat is sinking and we feel like Jesus is sleeping for us to cry out to him yeah, and, and be like, yeah. don't you care, God? And and going back to that, he didn't rebuke them for the question. That's Instead, right. he he had them dig deeper into Okay, well, why? Why are you afraid? Why? Like, get to the why underneath. Well, the why is you really don't believe I'm the Son of God. You don't really believe that I can do what I say I can do, and and so it's that digging deep and that infection That's in right. our our souls of of okay, I was honest. I feel like you're sleeping in the midst of my boat sinking. I'm I'm telling you about it. Okay, you're asking me the question. Why am I afraid? I need I need to honestly answer that, yeah. you know, and then honestly know what the truth is, Yeah, yeah, which is Amos 4. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It, the the thing, I'm, I don't know if I'm like rabbit trail Rachel today or what, oh, but I, I, like I also <laughs> like, it's interesting to me, like you said, that he didn't rebuke the disciples, but he rebuked the wind, but that word choice rebuked, like he didn't say, you know, it doesn't say he got up, calmed the wind, but he rebuked yeah. it, which is usually like a, hey, correction, right? And it yeah. just makes me think, it reminds me that one of the reasons that he came is to make all things new, that even That's creation right. is subject to the curse, mm-hmm. that the chaos yeah. that even nature brings, like we're just, as we're recording this, we're coming out of this like ice storm 
crazy February situation. And Lauren, you're coming from that in Texas, you know. And I just think, like, Jesus rebuked nature and just said, like, no, 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 no. Like, peace, be still. And it reminds me that not Mm. only is he going to make us new, but he's making all things new. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right? No kidding. Jesus. No Mm -hmm. kidding. Well, as we keep reading, I mean, it just keeps happening that we see such different responses to who Jesus is mm-hmm. and to the yeah. the power and the divinity and the authority mm-hmm. that he yeah. is showing. And also how at the same time he's he, he's demonstrating authority and power and divinity, but he's also not doing things the way they would do them. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, because you have, if we backtrack to, to chapter two, where we have the call of Levi, that's when we have this, um, this kind of famous passage. In fact, Lauren, would you read that for us? It's in chapter two, starting um, at like verse 15. And this is yeah. um, Levi the, that he had called while sitting at the tax office. He's like, hey, Levi, yeah. get up and follow me. While he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who were following him. When the scribes who were Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he told them, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Yeah. Do you believe this is true? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I do. (laughs) I do. Yes. Yes. Praise God. Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah. It's also really convicting because essentially the, I think part of what they're objecting to here, or if I were um, the, the scribes who are Pharisees, the thing I would be objecting to here would be the appearance of evil, you know, which it's like, well, you're why are you, if, if you are, okay, so you're doing all these things and, and people are saying that you are the Messiah, the son of God. And yet this is who you keep company with. Mm -hmm. Like, no, no, that's not how we work. Mm -hmm. And, um, and like how that's so convicting Mm -hmm. to me of just like how much more comfortable it is to, Mm. uh, to just, well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna chill with the people who we we don't have to talk through the difficult things because we just we're very much alike and we agree yeah. on all the things, you know? And That's like right. but like Jesus wasn't about that. Jesus was about the good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we all need the good news. Yeah. And it just it probably seems like honestly, because of how they sinners and tax collectors were treated by the the righteous. Um, they felt the need a little bit more. Yeah, you know that. Yeah, we're we're on the outside. We there's n- there's no hope. I mean, we're we're like just labeled sinners, right? Like, right. We don't have Literally, any hope. they just are referred to as <laughs> sinners, <laughs> sinners. And so that you know, it it makes me think of the parables of the seed that we read in this this week where there's that soil that's probably been tilled up by 
maybe it was conviction. Maybe it just like the pain of, of being like, yeah, we're, we have no hope yeah, uh, yeah. Be, to be as righteous as the Pharisees are. Um, and so that soil was for many of them was probably better soil for the word to be planted in than, than those, um, who are convinced of their righteousness. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Rachel, you're the only one that hasn't picked a story to talk about. Well, there's so many. <laughs> I have <laughs> I have really had some good rabbit trails, but I will yeah, say I like Rabbit Joe Rachel. The, rabbit Joe Rachel, thank you. That's my new nickname. Um, there there is one on day five, so last day of the week, um, in Mark chapter six, and again, this is just me coming off the heels of uh, of reading Joshua. Yeah, like I mean, so yeah. we look at this commissioning of the twelve, starting in yeah. verse seven. And it says, Jesus summoned the 12 and began to send them out in pairs. And I just want to like, as we read this, like, see if you can notice some parallels between this and what Mm. we were reading in the Old Testament. You know, he said, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits. That's a big deal. This is new. This is, this is brand new. And then it says, he instructed them to take nothing for the road except a staff, no bread, no traveling bag, no money in their belts, uh, but to wear sandals and not put on an extra shirt. He said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that place. If any place does not welcome you or listen to you, when you leave there, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And then it says, so they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons, anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. These instructions and this power, this authority that mm-hmm. he's giving, they're clear and it can, and it's like Jericho, like this yeah. will be accomplished. This You can do something that doesn't look at all like something you could do, um, mm-hmm. but only if you're walking in obedience yeah. and, um, and it's me who is doing it. That's right. Um, and I just think like, I, I can't, I, maybe at some point I'll get over it, but like, these are the, this is like Jericho was their ancestors. Like these are yeah. the people of Israel and that is their yeah. story. Yeah. Um, and, and this is like, Jesus is ushering in the new covenant and he's inviting them to usher it in with him. Just, I mean, That's right. I, I'm so excited. I'm so excited by what's happening. And they still don't fully know. No what he who he is what he's come to do what he's doing because you know we still have like in that same chapter so listen to this in verse 45 immediately ding 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 (laughs) um, he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd after he said goodbye to them he went away to the mountain to pray which I love it there's so many little glimpses in Mark Mm -hmm. and the other gospels of how Jesus goes away to pray and commune with the father um, well into the night, the boat was in the middle of the sea. So his disciples are in the middle of the sea on the boat. Jesus was alone on the land. He saw them straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Very early in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea and wanted to pass by them. So he's just walking by. Yes. He's just he's getting to the he's he's getting to the other side by Shortest actually walking distance between on the water. two points yes. is a straight line. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yes. But they see him. So they see him walking on the sea and they thought it was a ghost and cried out because they all saw him. And of course they were terrified. I mean, wouldn't I would be terrified (laughs) too. And immediately he spoke with them and said, have courage as I don't be afraid. So I just think that whole encounter is hilarious, but I was reading it to get to, to verse 51. 
Then he got into the boat with him. I mean, you can imagine he's like, well, I mean, I'm here. So I'll just ride with you now. (laughs) Um, Verse 51, he got into the boat with him. The wind ceased. They were completely astounded because they had not understood about the loaves. Instead, their hearts Mm -hmm. were hardened. Hmm. I just think that's such an interesting note. They had not understood about the loaves. Mm -hmm. So like Mm -hmm. that is the the feeding of the 5,000 was right before this, Mm -hmm. like the day before this. And they Mm -hmm. just still are not. Yeah. getting it, um, yeah. which is okay because this is, there's a process to this and Jesus is yeah. not surprised by the process. You know, it's so fascinating yeah. when he says, don't say anything to this. Like when one yeah. person that he heals at some point, he's like, don't even go into the city because I know what's yeah. going to happen if you yeah. go into the city. So just don't even go there. Um, and then sometimes he does say, go and tell yeah. Um, yeah. what's happened, but it's just, there's a process yeah. and, um, but yeah, they just, they don't know. Well, and I have to give the disciples like a little compassion because like I've been a disciple of Jesus for more than three decades, you know, yeah. and like there are still things that like I don't understand or that my, like that I yeah. don't draw a connection to. These guys, like we talk about like that Jesus was just like a carpenter in town until he called yeah. them from their occupations. Like, hey, you're a tax yeah. collector, you're a fisherman, whatever. Like, hey, come and be my disciple. Like, whether it's months old or years mm-hmm. old at this point, it's not very many. Like yeah. they're new to this. They're coming to believe that Jesus is the son of God, but like yeah. they're, and they're wanting to participate in this, but they're babies like yeah. It, yeah. in in more ways than one. I mean, they're also young. Like, and yeah. so he's teaching them so much, like even going back just a bit in that chapter to, to verse 30 you know, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. So they're mm-hmm. like, Jesus, that's the power you gave us. Like, listen to this. Listen. So they're like telling all their stories like, yeah, and yeah. you wouldn't believe what happened here and what happened here. And Jesus response isn't clap, clap, clap. Isn't like, yeah. wasn't that awesome. His response is, all right, come away by yourselves to a remote place and rest for a while. Yeah. Yeah. He's teaching yes. them spiritual disciplines. Like it makes me think he about is. what we've been talking mm-hmm. about in January where he's like, Great. Mm. You need now, like, let's Sabbath, like, let's yeah. rest, let's come mm-hmm. away, let's go to a stillness, because that's hard work, and you need to be doing yeah. that hard work from a place of yeah. rest. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I, I was encouraged because, you know, when it says, um, well, first, they it says they were astounded. They were completely astounded because they hadn't understood about the lives. Instead, their hearts were hardened. So again, that that idea that we can be astounded and amazed by things God does, but still our hearts be hard. And so I thought, gosh, Lord, I want, I want a tender heart. I, how, how do I keep a tender heart? And um, there is sometimes it's, it's hard to keep a tender heart all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's almost overwhelming. And, and I think that's where we feel the tension of the already, but not yet the, okay, yes, the promises of God, our yes in Jesus Christ, and we have them, but not in all their fullness right now. Mm-hmm. And there will there will be a day we will forever have soft hearts. We will ever forever like have communion with Him with no interruptions whatsoever. But we're still having to fight our ourselves, the sin you know that's that so easily entangles us, a, a real enemy in in the accuser um, in in and his like demonic forces. And, yeah. and so there's real opposition to us, but gosh, one day there's going to be a day that our hearts 
are continually soft and we have unbroken communion with him. And, yeah. and so anyway, it, it, it gave me um, some encouragement to see, like you said, Rachel, where they're, here they are going out, healing the, the sick and, and casting out demons and, and doing all that, resting and then seeing, you know, Jesus feed, miraculously feed all these people and yet still astounded. That's right. Still yeah. their hearts kind of, their hearts are probably soft after coming off of doing all that good kingdom work. Right. And then maybe they got hardened just, you know, by physical hung, hunger, right. by just being tired. Who knows what it was? But he didn't like you it's a process, you know, like mm-hmm. you said. Um and it doesn't keep Jesus from using them and accomplishing that's right. his purposes. Yeah. That's because right. as you said and, and likened it to Jericho, it's about you know how in Joshua they that constantly says like the Lord will yeah. the Lord has yeah. handed them over to you or the Lord has done this. Now go yeah. do this. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah. the you know, yeah. there's this this already and not yet there as well, where it's like this mm-hmm. is already as good as done, but you are still yeah. to obey and go forward and do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that it's it's really freeing to remember, I think, um, that the disciples didn't, they didn't know all the things or believe yeah. all the things, mm-hmm. you know, that they were yeah. in process. I mean, we see it all through the Gospels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As we wrap, I want to, so the very last bit of Mark that we'll read this week, and, you know, this releases on a Monday, so my hope is that everybody listening is going to be reading with us every day this week, and so y'all won't get to this until Friday, but there's this very last portion uh, from from Mark chapter 6, and I've read it several times and not noticed this, but I think after this conversation, and I love having conversations with people who are tender to the Lord and tender to Scripture because it helps mm-hmm. me see new things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to read this, and I want to give you guys encouragement because at the start of this episode, we talked about, you know, like that we thought we knew what our need was, and um, mm-hmm. and Jesus knew what our true need was. And so as we read mm-hmm. verse 53, it says, you know, this is, this is genuinely, I'll say immediately, right after Jesus walked on water. Then he got in the boat with them. And then it says, when they had crossed over, they came to shore at Genesaret and anchored there. As they got out of the boat, people immediately recognized him. This is like a frenzy. They hurried throughout, that was my ad lib, <laughs> sorry. They hurried throughout that region and began to carry the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went into villages, towns, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him mm-hmm. that they might touched just the end of his robe and everyone who touched it was healed. And Lauren, it reminds me of that connection that you drew for us to the book of Numbers. And of course, the woman um, with the issue of blood that by touching it, she was remembering that I am in the family of God, that I'm a daughter of Jesus. And I just think like as we wrap this episode, I want to remind everyone listening that we are in the family of God, mm-hmm. and that we have access because of Jesus yeah. to touch the hem of his robe and to be healed from our greatest need. Um, mm-hmm. And we have access to that right this second. And I just mm-hmm. think, like, I'm so thankful for that connection you drew for us, Lauren. And I'm thankful that, you know, every time I've read that passage in the past, I've been like, boy, what a frenzy. But when I see it now, I think about my opportunity to touch the hem of his mm-hmm. robe and to be healed. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's such an encouragement. 
Friend, thank you for joining us. It's so fun to read through Mark with you. We are going to be back next week to continue reading through Mark with our friend, Lisa Harper. Um, and that's, oh, and that was a hoot. I I was just about to say hoot. Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, we already know. We don't know what, what, you know, we're going to. Amanda and Lisa have been texting back and forth this morning, dancing people emojis because they're excited to see each other today. Yeah, that sounds right. I don't know. I was like, I don't know who is who here, but I'm excited. Yes. (laughs) So we're going to continue in our journey through um, the season of Lent and through the book of Mark together. And this was just such a a good running start to the book of Mark. So thank you. There's no other way to start Mark but with a running start. That's right. That's right. (laughs) That's right. And and you better just have taken your six hour energy or whatever to stay with them. That's right. So hang in there, guys. And until next week, Lauren, what do we say to our friends? Keep opening your Bibles. <laughs>